If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. People can change anything they want to. And that means everything in the world. Show me any country and there'll be people in it. It's time to take the humanity back into the center of the ring and follow that for a time. You know, think on that. Without people, you're nothing. Without people, you're nothing. Stoke the fire. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, or morning, or evening, or whatever the hell time of day it is, wherever in the hell you are. Welcome to episode 27 of Stoke the Fire. As always, we're your hosts, Matt Stocks. And Jesse Leach. What's going on, Jesse Leach? Hey, 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 hey. What's going on, people? How you doing, Matt? Testing one, two. Check, check, check. I'm good. I'm excited for today's show. Uh, I'm excited for today's guest. And I know I know there's mutual respect and admiration that flows both ways. But do you and Benji know each other? Is there like a connection that pre-exists this moment? Or, or is this going to be kind of the first time you've properly had a, a deep dive chat with him? I never had a deep dive chat, but, um, you know, we've seen each other backstage at Download. And my favorite, uh, which we'll talk about, uh, was meeting him backstage at the Metal Hammer Awards and having an instant connection with him and an instant rapport. And I love the dude. I have tons of respect for him. And he, to me, he's like a kinship. Uh, there's a kinship there that's like the familiar spirit. He comes from the same sort of like idealism and what he wants for the world and his message and his music. So I have a ton of love and respect for this guy, but we'll get into that in the chat. Yeah, you've already picked up on exactly what I want to discuss, which is exactly that, the message in your music. Um, and although as characters, I feel you're very different, Benji, and we should say at this point, if you haven't already read or guessed, our guest for today's show is Benji Webb from Skindred. And that the key difference between yourself and Benji for me is Benji's a real extrovert, whereas I think okay. you're in more ways a bit of an introvert. But the the message that you're trying to put out and the way which you try to get there and share this this kind of ideology of unity, community, positivity, um, there's so much overlap and correlation. And I feel like I know this is going to be a conversation that goes in all kinds of different directions. Um, and I'm just excited, as kind of I experienced with the chat with Rao from Shikari, just to sort of sit back and watch two of my favorite people bond and connect over a plethora of awesome things. So I feel like without further ado, we should bring him onto the show. And when we do, I'm pretty sure he's going to hit the ground running because that's yeah. the only way Benji rolls. So um, yeah, here is my dear friend, my birthday twin as well. We share the same birthday, myself and my dear friend, Benji Webb from Skindred. Yeah. We're trying a new form of introduction on this show as well, so it might not be as smooth as always. Modern in progress. <laughs> you hear them before you see them. <laughs> Benji, do you want to turn your camera on as well? It's not on, is it? No, it's not, mate. <laughs> I like, I like it. the best thing about a podcast, and there's no fucking picture. That's fantastic. Yeah. That's <laughs> well, no, mate, this one goes on YouTube. There so people is. will see up? you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. 
Dude, so I can see from, from the visuals that you are sat in your garden in Pill, Newport, <laughs> Wales, UK, a place I've visited many times. And um, I, I want to jump straight in, Benji. and, and well, kind I of want to go back to the time when I couldn't wake you up. <laughs> go on, let's start there then. Go <laughs> I on. I want to go back there. Bro. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, me and you were drinking all night, some whiskey or some crazy shit. And next thing you know, it's like, okay, Matt's not got to go. Yeah, you had your girlfriend coming around in the morning. I had my girlfriend coming in the morning. I want no traces of stockness. No traces. <laughs> Motherfucker, gotta go. So the next thing you know, he's out the back. It's quarter to it's quarter to ten. I'm like, Matt, 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 Matt. This motherfucker ain't moving, bro. He's moving. We we should say moving. Benji. Benji gave me a um a Valium to help me sleep. He, he was like, my my lady's coming around early in the morning. This is about three a.m. It wasn't it wasn't the head. And he said, take this and it will knock you out. You'll get a good night's sleep. But for whatever reason, it didn't hit the sides. So I'm just there, like trudging on. And yeah, you're a zombie on your own, dude. like Jack Nicholson zombie. You know. <laughs> <laughs> and what did you say to me? You said every time you tried to wake me up to go, I'd fall asleep again. And you're like, you look like McMurphy from One Flew Over the exactly, Cookies. That's exactly what it was. <laughs> the guy was like, he wasn't having nothing. Honestly. I'm like, and I woke up in bed in London and I was like, Yeah, you did. Yeah, you did. How did, I, how did I get here? I was in Wales the last time I, I remember. That was the last time we saw each other as well, Benji. Benji's, that's it. <laughs> So that's, like that's, a, that's an insight into my friendship with this man. We've had so many good times over the years. Um, and, you know, we were sort of talking before we got you on, Benji, about I think a lot of the similarities that you and Jesse share. I would love, as we begin this conversation and start to unravel the stories, um, do you remember the first time you met Jesse, Benji, where and when that would have been? I remember. I think it was in America. Was it in America, Jess? Well, to me, anyway, it was in America. And one thing I noticed... You had this battle jacket on full of Sky and Reggie stuff all over it. I noticed that. I'm yeah. Like, I know that band. I know that band. I know that band. Yeah, man. Yeah, I remember that. Because, I mean, this guy sings for Kill Switch and Gage, and he's acting like Bob Marley, you know? <laughs> One of my heroes, yeah. No, it was actually backstage in England at okay. the Metal Hammer Awards. That'll work. Was, but you had the I battle was, jacket on, though, right? I had the battle jacket on, yeah. And you struck up a conversation with me, and I turned and looked at you, and I was like, oh, I know this dude because my band Seamless actually opened up for you guys in the States okay. years before this. Yeah, so I, yeah. I already knew who you were and you were mentioning uh, the reggae, you know, yeah, patches. Yeah, yeah, on the patches, yeah. And then we immediately hit it off and talked about everything from yeah. Toots to, to Bob Marley to Ska to Two-Tone to That's Unity right. to Love. Yeah, man, it was I good. was like, this guy's my man. Like, we did yeah, yeah, a five, ten-minute conversation, but... Yeah. I immediately was like, I love this guy. Who the yeah, wow? The dance, the dance hall is my thing, though. You know, from a long time. I yeah. Connection on that every time. And then I also remember seeing you in passing at Download. Yeah. Um, I met you. I think it's like three or four times, isn't it? Or, or, yeah, and it's always been love and respect. Always been good vibes. Well, for me, there's the reggae connection runs so deep in both of you. And I think both of you bring that spirituality and philosophy that you associate, I think, more with reggae music into the metal arena. You know, there's not many other bands that do that. Obviously, you know, Skindred does it a lot more with the sound. Um, Jesse, perhaps with you, it's more just the message. But I Definitely feel like the, um, the, the overlap there, and, and I guess to begin with, Benji, because you've got some amazing stories from back in the day that I know Jesse would love to hear. Yeah. Um, why don't you tell us a bit about way before your you know, career in metal or rock or any of that is a thing? 
the sound yeah. system scene in Bristol in the UK back in the 70s. When I, when, when I was young, the first time, the first time I ever went to a show, uh, my brother used to play in a band. He used to toast in a band. And there was a concert. It was a legalized cannabis campaign up North Wales. And I was in the house and I knew my brother used to do these weird little late night trips and come back. And this is the first time I ever been invited on one of them late night trips. So anyway, so he says to me, get in the van, come along to the show. So I go to the show in West Wales and it's a hippie, it's a hippie commune and people are just loving life and living together. And I see my brother on stage with his band called Beetroots. And I thought, I, I'm going to do that. Whatever it is they're doing, I'm going to, I want to do that from day one. Now, the first show I went to was in uh, the top rank in Cardiff. There was, a, there was a, an album called Two DJs by Clint Eastwood and General Saint. But it wasn't the Clint Eastwood that we know from Dirty Harry. It was the Jamaican dancehall singer Clint Eastwood. And I went to see them. I rode my bike 12 miles to watch them perform. On my bike, I rode on my bike down to Cardiff, me and my friend. And we had no money at all. So what we had to do was go into the club before, before when, when the band was sound checking and hide in the stock cupboard. Right. For the whole, for the, for, this was about four o'clock in the evening and the doors were at seven. So we, we snuck in the place when the band was sound checking and hid in the stock cupboard. And when we heard the people coming in the club, that's when we come out of the club and went inside and watched it. And when I watched them, once again, that feeling come to me. I'm like, I want to do that. Whatever they're doing, however they're doing it, that's what I want to do. From day one, dance all. That's what I wanted to do, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the infection, the infectious rhythm of the voice to me is what I've always loved about um, reggae music, because I got into dancehall first before I started getting to the roots. Mm -hmm. you know, roots reggae to me is, is well, definitely... Because roots, like when you say you got into the dancehall, what, what era was you into? Because there's different eras of dancehall. Yeah, yeah. It's definitely the more commercial 90s era. I'm going to okay. out myself here. It was Shaba Ranks was the first okay. Okay. dancehall that I heard. And then that opened the doors to like Buju Bantan and some of the more yeah, the doors to that. more spiritual end of things. But yeah, the, the sound of the voice, the syncopation, the way oh, the voice. Yeah. And even the, the patois, the stuff I didn't understand. That <laughs> I actually had a book. I was so obsessed with, with <laughs> culture. I had a dictionary of like how to you know, how to um, translate it. Translate it, yeah. I loved it. And I would walk around telling people, oh, no, this is what he means when he says this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had it, I had it firsthand. My, like, my family's, they, they were from the West Indies, and we, we grew up by, my, my father's from an island called St. Kitts, but we were grown up with, by Jamaican people. A lot of us would have had babysitters who were Jamaican, and their culture seems real strong on us, you know? And we, we just grew up in that Jamaican tone, you know? So... I felt really special because when I hear Jamaican people speaking, no one taught me this language, but I could understand everything. I could understand it all. And I'd be like, man, I can't speak French or German, but I can hear what they're saying and I know what they're saying. So when I, when I started listening to the dancehall music, it was, I'd say it was like Yellow Man and people like that. You know, it was so yeah. it was before, before that in the eighties, the eighties, Sugar Minot, Dennis Brown, Gregory Isaacs. And as far as I'm concerned, when I watch Woody Woodpecker, he don't sound no different from Tennessee. You see what I'm trying to say? It's like the tones of their voices were like fucking cartoon yeah. characters, you yeah. know? And, I, and I'd be watching these guys listening to them singing, and I'd be trying to manipulate them like Tennessee, like, whoa, who is going to help you? Whoa. I mean, like, that's something to me. I was like, this is so cool. You know what I mean? And I gravitated towards that, you know, from, from a very early age and, and mimic them, you know? Yeah.
I'd have to say a big up to Supercat too. Supercat yeah, was Supercat was the Nada, Ghetto Red Hot like that. When, shit when you was... check Supercat, you got to check Nick, Nick, Nicodemus. Yeah, I know Nicodemus. Yeah, yeah. Because Nick, I think Nicodemus is the OG of Sean Paul. He's yeah. the OG of all them. He's the that the way how he flows on that yeah. shit, this shit, bro. And I'm still doing that now. Still doing that on my shoes. I, I still listen to all that stuff. I love yeah. it. It puts me in a I good. Mean, I mean, modern dancehall for me, I can't really dig it because it's no different from. I'm sorry to show my age, but it's no different from electronics. And when they were playing, it seemed to be a bit more. You know, they actually had to play. You know, yeah. when you listen to Roots Radix and people like that, you know. Yeah. Good stuff, man. Yeah, that shaped me for sure. And that was, you know, before I even got into punk rock, I was definitely listening to all that stuff. And then I discovered, you know, bands like The Clash and Bad Brains, and that's kind of when the crossover started to happen. Well, what came for me is, like, I had all this reggae stuff going on at home. And also the whole, like, you know, the, the, the all the dancehall stuff that my father and mother was listening to. But at the same time, I had the radio blasting all this punk rock shit. And I loved it. And I wanted that as well. And I was like, I feel terrible that I feel like I'm trade. I'm a trade, <laughs> you know, for some fucking reason. But then I just was said, that you know, culture still prevalent, Benji, at that time in the late 70s. Was it still like you had to be, you know, one or the other? other? You couldn't be both. I, I think I thought that in my mind that I put that barrier up. But do you know what I mean? But there was a lot of the kids I knew, like when, when, when my brother's Rasta friends was coming over, they didn't, they didn't want to hear the pistols. You know, you know, and I'd be like, Check what this. about like two tone bands like the Selector and the Specials? Were, were they accepted in the Rasta community or not? Were they too white? I think, I think they were too punk rock, bro. There was two right. punk rock, the Specials and the Selector were too punk rock. It's like, I know that what I do with Skin Dread is, is, is too much for some people, you know, because we use too much, you know, some of, the, some of the guitar noises and shit. They can't take that. You know what I mean? But as a kid growing up, I, I remember going out and playing his pistols in a party upstairs. My brother was having a party downstairs and I was upstairs playing the pistols. He's downstairs playing Roots Radix dub old school shit. I'm upstairs playing the pistols and this Rasta popped his head around the door and he goes, is that the pistols? <laughs> and I was like, yeah. And he came in, he goes, can I borrow this album? And I was like, borrow this album. And I thought, this guy's gotta be cool, man. He wants to borrow, he's a Rasta with the dreadlocks, all that shit. And he wants to borrow the pistols. And he said, I'll bring it back next week, I swear. And he brought it back. And that made me go, wow, I got to open my mind. That, that, that made me, because I thought he was, wasn't going to like it and whatever, but that made me go, wow, I'm putting, I'm putting him against my pedal stool, not the other way around, you know? And that's what made me realize that people, people dig what they do. You know, they dig what they do. Yeah, and that's big coming from that scene and, and, and having that crossover. That's why I love Skindred and, and Dub War even. Like, it, you, you can't really put a category on it. People ask you what it sounds like. I mean, you just got to not even just hear, but you got to just, you got to see Skindred. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To yeah, yeah, yeah. You know it. It's, it's one thing, it's like we played a festival called Bloodstock on a weekend. And I know there was a lot of people who, who, who were like, oh, what, why are they on the bill? And then when they seen us, they changed their heart completely. You know, they knew why we were on the bill. Because we brought that unity sound, we brought that fun, we brought that energy, we made them laugh, we made them cry, we took them on a journey. And not many bands do that, you know? Yeah, this is true, man. You, you guys money. are electric. I want to, I, I, listen, I want the money as much as the next guy, but I want to leave something in there too. Yeah. Leave a little something in, in with the people, you know? Well, Bloodstock's an interesting one because it kind of, to begin with, was very metal in a specific way. Um, even Killswitch, I think, perhaps wouldn't have fallen into yeah. their, their metal line for many years. But obviously, over the course of, I guess, the last five years in particular, as the festival has grown and become more yeah, yeah, 
successful they have diversified within their metal remit yeah, yeah. i mean it's still, put... listen half of the bands i never knew so it's still that way you know it's, it's still that way but what i found is that the first time we played that people were like why are they there why are they there but after we played they understood why we was there you know? yeah brought it yeah yeah and that's and that's like last time like on on last friday the 13th we played there and I, I had, because I mean, you remember, I've been pent up for the last two years, like you just doing nothing, you know, but when I get the live show, I'm like, oh my God, I'm so thankful for it. You know what I mean? Well, yeah, let's, how was that, let's man? talk about that, that for sure. Yeah, let's, let's go in on that. You've had the pleasure, Benji, of playing two pretty big shows in recent times, Download Pilot, Bloodstock. You've also got the Beautiful Days Festival in Devon coming up as well. So right. you'll have had a nice hat trick to reintroduce yourself to the big stage, big crowds. But, you know, 18 months of, of, of somebody as well like Jesse who, like, does more than just sing songs. Both of you, for me, are people who bring people together through your music. Well, that's the bridge building, bro. I think... Robert Trujillo said to me a long time that the music that he wanted to make was bridge building music, which took one community and led him to another community. And that's, I, I think doing that, whether, it's, whether it be from the black end or the white end of it, I, I think that's such a fulfillment. I really do. When people's, when I get messages saying, didn't like this kind of stuff before, dig it now. I think that's the fulfillment, you know? 100%, dude. That's why I still do it. Honestly, you know, there's a huge part of me that would love to just crawl away and hide a lot because I'm a I'm pretty pretty much an introvert, but I feel so called to continue to do what I do because yeah, yeah. especially now, right? The world needs it so much more than much it ever more than did. It ever did before. You know, much more for sure. You know, being up being out there and just like making people feel positive. Like for me, I enjoy just making feel people feel good. I, even the security guys who supposed to be working, they just like screwing up their face and shit. I, I just I'm singing my heart out to them. Yeah. You know, every time, because you know, especially in days like this, when we're losing so many good friends and family, you don't know when it's going to be your turn. So you can every opportunity to do it, I want to do it to the maximum. Even like in rehearsal, I'm busting my ass, and it's only me singing to the guys because you don't know, you know. So you just gotta give it all you got every time if that's what's in you. Yeah, I love that attitude, man. That's it's honestly what's been keeping me going these days because I've had some pretty low days, mm -hmm. you know, because the. It's so uncertain. It's so strange. You make these plans. You don't know if they're going to go through. And like, I love that attitude. It's a beautiful way to live. Like, you don't know. No, well, that's, that's why you're like, you know what I mean? I think when I, I'm 50, can't even fucking remember, 54 now, right? Yes. <laughs> and, I, and, I'm, and I'm losing friends, like, boom, 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 boom. And you can't even put, like, I'm so-and-so is going to go next or so-and-so. So I, I look at it like every day is a fucking chance to do the best, live the best day I possibly can. And even when I, like I said, like you said about being depressed, I get fucking low, bro. I get the lowest of the low. You know what I mean? Everybody feels like when they're low, that's the burden is the heaviest, you know? But I got to make sure I fight through that to get to the other side. And that's what pulls me through because I know the lows, the highs outweigh the lows. And that's what's important to remember, you know? Because when you're going through hell, just fucking keep on going, bro. <laughs> we say that all the time on this show. Yeah, you've just got to keep on going. Like, you know, I know you love your neighborhood, and although you love playing shows, you're also somebody who likes to return to home. Home's so important yeah. to you, and you've got a lovely house, you've got a lovely garden, you've got a great community. So um, how has the last 18 months for you been? I imagine you would have had it better than some in the sense you do love where you come from and your home yeah. situation is a positive well, one. Well, garden for a start, man, because you got, let's go way back to this thing when it started, when people were, were alone, they weren't allowed outside their house, basically. I got a garden, a beautiful garden. I got friends who was trapped in flats 
without yeah. the back garden, having an hour to walk out and having to go back home. And, I, and I'm thankful for what I got, you know what I mean? But even, even no matter where you are, when you can't do what you really want to do, it's like if I get money from the government for this thing, it, it, for, for, you know, to subsidize me, I don't really want the fucking money. I want to be playing shows. You know, I want to be out there doing it, you know? Yeah. And, you know, as far as I could say, there was no excuse for, you know, not doing it. You know what I mean? Because people seemed all right at the time, but then things changed quick, you know? Yeah, they sure did, man. And I love I love going back to your, your fighting spirit. I, I see you on social media, and it's a pleasure to follow you because uh, I see you exercising all the time. Yeah, yeah. Now get up in the morning and you've already gotten at it, obviously because of the time difference. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Oh, I, I don't, you know, I'll be honest with you, Rod. Since this thing started, I was on stage in, in the UK once, one show, and my son came back and said, Dad, you killed it, but you look like a fat fuck. Oh, shit. Straight That's up, Jeff. Familial love right there. Straight up. And I was like, it was because I was backstage. I just come off stage at Reading Festival. It's, Everybody, the record company, the, 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 this, that, the, everybody's buzzing. I'm looking at my son. Ah, get the fuck out of here. But it fucked with my head, bro. Yeah. It stayed with me. It stayed with me, and I couldn't shake it or much. So Christmas came around. I said, what you want for Christmas for all my kids? One says the TV. One says this. One says oh, driving lessons. One's, my son says, give me six months of your life, Dad. Six wow. months of your life. Every day, I'll tell you what to do. Every day, I'll tell you what to eat. After, after Actually, he said three months. He said, after the three months... Do what the fuck you want. If you if you ain't happy with what you see, do what you want. I said, oh, you know what, son? January, let's do it. I did it. Three months later, I'm like, thank fuck that kid told me. Thank wow. fuck I listened. Honestly, I don't even think. In, in all honesty, guys, I'll be honest with you. I know for a fact I don't think I would have been on this earth if I kept on doing what the way I was doing, the way I was living my life without caring about myself, without caring anything. It's like now I think a little about. It's not like I've stopped having fun. I just think a little more about it now. Whereas before, I go a barbecue and have eight hot dogs. I'll only have, I'll only have two hot dogs now. Well, let's you know, be honest, honest man. man. Like, like five years ago, you were probably double the size that yeah, you are I was, right I was, now. I was, um, I was. Well, I got on the scales in boots. I did, uh, Matt, and um, my mate was going to boots for something, and I was with him. So I said, "I'll go on the scales." So I put fifty pence in, went on the scales. He said nineteen stone ten, and I went, "Oh, this is fucking broke." <laughs> Give me some more change, bro. Give me some more change. <laughs> Give me more change. I got on again and said the same thing. I was like, I couldn't. Be, I was in shock. I was in shock. And they took, I think, even though that was that, that happened a long time before my son said to me, get his shit together. I think that was the catalyst that sort of said, you know what? A, a given opportunity, I got to drop this weight. And I'm thankful because mentally, it's been such a blessing having this, having that, going to the gym or getting on my bike and doing a, doing a, a, a ten mile ride. You know, every day. And it's not like a chore. I feel like I've got to do it. Even when I'm sick, I'm like, i got to go gym. That's the best place to be. You know, and I just know that that's helped me through so much. I watched the show the other day we did at Bloodstock. And I thought, well, you know, I couldn't have done that a few years back. Not to that extent anyway. You know, so exercise, people. Get in the gym. Yeah, and it affects your mental, too. That's what I was driving at, too, is yeah. how, you know, I've been, quote, unquote, busy in my own head with whatever has been going on in my life. And I haven't been getting out lately and i notice a huge difference because i love i love to ride my bike i love hiking yeah, yeah i haven't made a lot of time for that um and how important that is because it totally affects your mental and then you know vice versa mind yeah. and body body and mind it's so important yeah. especially you know with going through what we've gone through in society 
And I love seeing that on your page. And I'm yeah. with you, man. If I didn't start getting my shit together, I'd be dead too. I was having heart issues because yeah. I was I was Stop eating bacon yeah. steak, bacon steak. You know? <laughs> well, I mean, like I said, I, I I still enjoy food, but I just don't eat as much, bro. Yeah. You know, and I think it's it, the whole gym thing. If you know, I'll be honest with you. If I don't go to gym, I don't feel right, bro. The only time I I feel right not about not going to the gym is when I get fucked up the night before. And yeah. Be wise now. Don't be stupid. You're not going to go to gym stinking of alcohol, scaring all the fucking people. <laughs> well, there's a couple of things that I wanted to ask you about. And the first was like, how quickly did you notice not just the physical shift, but as you are beginning to work out regularly and, and that your body is changing, is your mind changing in sync and you're already noticing the mental benefits alongside the physical of just think, feeling so much better about yourself the minute you do it? They just come at the same time. The whole, the, the whole of that just... It just happens at the same time. You feel much stronger. Like I said, if I don't go to gym and I hang around doing nothing, I don't feel I don't feel like my day is complete. I need to start the day. I know it's addiction, and I'm fucking glad it's the best addiction I ever had. I know when the morning comes, I you know I'll be like when the you know, last time I put my sneakers out and my pants and my jacket was when I was 11 in school. You know, going to high school. <laughs> I do it. I do it most mornings. Honestly, excited to go, excited. And plus, the, the fucking banter at the gym is incredible as well. So. You know, that helps. There is when you're in there. I see you filming in the gym. It's amazing. You're doing like reality TV show it's videos. It's like EastEnders in that fucking place, bro. Some of the stories are fantastic, you know. You just well, keep your mind occupied. The, the other thing that I was super inspired by is we all know that you can have the best intentions with lifestyle, diet, and exercise. But then when you go out on tour, it can be very hard to keep up with it. And a lot of people I've seen over the years have thrown certain good habits away the minute they get back out on tour. But what you were doing pre-COVID, Benji, is you'd be, you know, traveling all over the world and you'd be going and finding local gyms in every yeah, city. I, I was making a game of it, bro. Yeah. I was making, you know, and in all honesty, Matt, I know I'm a lazy fat fuck and wants to sit down and do nothing. I'll be honest. But I was like testing myself and going, you know what? Every fucking day you go to a town, whether it's Dusseldorf, whether it's Hamburg, whether it's Amsterdam, whether it's St. Petersburg, wherever you go, you got to find a gym. And I was having a, the fun of the gym finding was sometimes you'd end up in state of the art gyms and other times you'd be like in the fucking Victorian shitholes. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? But, you st but I still did my hour. I still did my hour of, of cardio and, and a little hour, hour of weights. And, I, and I, that became a game for me every day doing that, you know. So, so that was something that I look forward to doing again on the next on the next ones because I'm in the gym every day. As, as I said, I'm not saying I look like a fucking Greek god, but Dude, I'm you're in, 54. You look incredible, man. I feel I feel good, bro. I feel good, and it's funny because the the way I, I thought when I was 22, I still fucking think like that. You know, I'm, I'm the same guy. You know what I mean? You don't nothing changes. You know, in life. So you know, I just take it as it comes and enjoying it, bro. You know, and another thing I like to say, I don't feel like my life has started yet. I know that sounds crazy, but I know I did a lot of shit, but I just think like this is the beginning and, you know, shoot me for that. But I just feel like that's, that's, that's just what comes into my mind when I think about my life, you know? That's amazing. I love hearing that because I feel the same way, you know? So I'm saying, bro, and it ain't just you and me. I don't feel like, oh, I've had, in my thirties, I was this, or, but I feel like I was just packing my bag, getting ready to go where I'm going, you know, just getting my shit together through all that time. And now I'm like, I'm ready to go. Where are we going? This is going to be great. <laughs> I love it because we need that, man. The message you carry is something yeah. I identify with so much, and it gives me hope as somebody who's been trying for years to put that yeah. message out. I wouldn't say trying. I have been putting yeah, that yeah, message. Yeah, you do. Yeah, yeah. That's what people get from you. 
but um but that's important you know again i have to throw it back to especially now i see it constantly on social media and it affects my spirit but it also encourages me and pushes me to continue to put out a message of positivity, unity like that's so important yeah and, um you know piggybacking on the message now of, of you like getting your your health in shape and and mm-hmm. All of that, I have a lot of people who reach out to me on a regular basis talking about mental health. And it always goes back to me, the messages I send to people about physical. So, and I always get the question of how do I start? People are just, you know, I tell them to try to find things that make them happy, things you can enjoy. So what would be your message to somebody who's like overweight or unhealthy and wants to get started? What's the first step? What would you say to somebody? Well, I don't know. I mean, like, I say that I know it's some, not even not not everyone can do this, but walking is the start of the everyday journey. You know, walking is the start of every journey, bro. Even if it's like that's where know, I'm at. Walking, I don't bro. I don't quite exercise yet, but walking is well, my shit. Matt, let me tell you something. There were some mornings I woke up and I just walked for an hour, and then I walk for two hours. And next thing you know, I'm walking for three hours, and I'm seeing things in my neighborhood that I've lived for over forty fucking years that I've never seen in my life because all I'm ever doing is driving past. Yeah. So it's a great way of just getting balanced. And one thing I know, I take my phone for the um for the time and all that shit, but not picking up the phone and just walking is 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 incredible because we spend so much time on this fucking bullshit thing. Yes. We spend so much time. We do that. It that it, it, it. You know, from the time you go to bed. I mean, I started leaving this shit downstairs when I go to bed because I'm scrolling through fucking bullshit at, at six o'clock at, at at ten o'clock at night. Just put it down, man. Put it down. And go and find yourself. You know. So walking, I'd say, no matter where you are, put your phone down and just walk. Even if it's 20 steps around the fucking hood, you know, just start walking. You know, I think that's I love that. I was doing 10, 10 miles on tour. That was my thing. 10 miles. Like really? if I go out and do 10 miles that day, I'm good. And it yeah, helps. That's what I'm saying. It's like what you just said. Then it's like, like I said about challenging myself every day, you know, just saying, right, I'm not going to smoke a cigarette until after two o'clock in the afternoon. You know, just tell, you know, it's your body. You can fucking do what you want with it. So you just sort of like tell it what to do and then have that battle with yourself. And it's fun. (laughs) It's fun. The the inner battles are fun. They keep your mind sharp, don't they? Yeah, man. (laughs) I wanted to ask you this, Benji. Like in the last um, 18 months or so, obviously the world's been changing a lot, despite the fact that everything's shut down. Um, I know around last (laughs) summer when everything was stirring up with the Black Lives Matter movement, like for a performer like yourself, you would have wanted to have been touring and on stage at that time um, because then you can bring your message that you've always brought to people. How tough was it for you watching that unfold, <coughs> kind of feeling like you didn't have a voice at that time because you weren't in front of, you know, large crowds getting to spread that message of positivity? You know, honestly, Matt, I don't think that it's the sort of question that it ain't something that you just see and just jump and start running your mouth about it. I thank God that I wasn't on stage and I had time to think about what was being done in front of me and what was saying. Cause sometimes you say, you think you're saying the right thing. Next thing you know, fucking people are eating you up, man. So I'm glad that I wasn't on stage. Cause I might've said the wrong thing too soon or, or the right thing too soon. I don't, mm. you know, can you see what I'm trying to say? Yeah. Sometimes you see things and you're in a situation that you open your mouth too quick, you know? So I'm glad I wasn't on stage that night that George Floyd was hurt. Cause I would have said shit and I would have got it wrong, you know? So, I think that that was a blessing as much as a curse. Well, that's that's wisdom speaking right there. I think that's with any situation that need jerk emotional reaction you can have because the media does that on purpose to to cause oh, that reaction. Saying, I know I would have. I know 
I know another me would have would have been saying some shit that he didn't even know all the facts, but he's putting it all together. And I yeah. know that's what I would do and make, make make myself and make the organization look fucking stupid. So it's better to get your arsenal together, get your fucking bullets in order before you start shooting guns. Yeah. I back that a hundred percent. I usually keep my mouth shut for at least a few days and digest, sleep on it, and then you gotta remember as much people love you, fucking hate you, and they're waiting for you to fall down, bro. You know, so you just watch yourself. And like I said, Matt, with that, with that, with the Japanese children that they said I was talking shit about, you know, with baby metal, yeah, just for the context. I learned a lot from that, bro. I learned a lot from that. You gotta, you just gotta be careful what you say to people. You know, just be careful. And even when sometimes when you don't say it, other people will put it in your mouth and say you said it. Yeah, it's a slippery slope, man, when you're dealing with media, too, because they're always looking for the thing to, to you know, the tagline that they're yeah, yeah, yeah. But the thing is, that it's not media. It's that kid down the fucking street that works at Asda. It's the yeah. kid that works in Publix. You know, you're dealing with them people. And, and no matter what they say, people jump on that and then they expand it. You know, so I'm glad I was home for all that shit so I could actually watch just like any other Joe without the voice and watching and then and then do the calculations to make it right later on because now if i mention black life matters i know what the fuck i'm talking about then i didn't know what i was talking about facts mm -hmm. what other lessons have you taken from this time of reflection benji it seems like you've been doing a lot of thinking and it's it's amazing to hear somebody as i know who's always been so vocal sometimes yeah. in the past and, yeah. and and as you say like has strong opinions and you know perhaps doesn't always consider every well, argument just says back. speaks their heart and that's you know yeah. one of the things that's i love about you it's dangerous to speak your heart but at the same time you got to think about what you're going to say reaction is easy it's like you want to you want to say something about the taliban you can say it quick right now but you you just got you just gotta back up and watch it just for a minute you know that's that's been my attitude for a while now you know i love it yeah it's amazing to hear man amazing yeah. to hear what else what else has been going through your mind during this time with a lot of time on your hands? I, you know, I'll be honest with you. It got to the stage at some points throughout the pandemic thing that I thought that we would never do what we did. Well, I would never do what I did last for the last two weekends. The bloodstock thing on the pilot, watching them people dancing together and enjoying themselves together. No masks on, people just rocking out. I mean, like partying like it was 2019, baby. <laughs> <laughs> it was dope. I was there on the Sunday. And you it, have yeah. to excuse, I got this fucking chest infection. It's kicking my ass, bro. You have to excuse me. Yeah. That's all right, man. But yeah, I, I was, I, I, it got to a stage where I'd look at my girlfriend some days, especially when that, it was, because I don't know what it was like for you, Jess, but over here, it was pretty fucking scareville. They were scaring the bejesus out of us. I'd pick up my phone. People would be sending me shit, which was disgusting. I wouldn't... And everyone was just so scared, you know. I can, you know, what I'm saying. And I sat there going, you know, are we ever gonna come right? So when I walked on the stage and I seen twenty thousand people, no masks, everybody close, pit going off, circle pit, all that shit. I said it was like partying in 2019, and I hope that we continue. Retro. You know what I'm saying? It was only two years ago, but we partied <laughs> like it was. It ain't like '99, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> Yeah, we'd need yeah. we'd need no phones for it to be like ninety nine, wouldn't oh, we? Oh, bro, no phones would be the best part you could ever go to. You know that thing called memory? Wow, yeah. that'd be fun to use, huh? Well, it also just being present. I I, I find myself because uh, I've done I've done this a lot lately. I just put my phone on airplane mode and use it as a camera when I'm out in nature or whatever. But I not even doing that. When you put it and you don't even take it with you, 
you process things so much differently. It's yeah, it's a know. whole other world, and I recommend anybody listening or watching. Well, to be honest really? with you, bro, I used to take I used to not take my phone to the gym, right? But I used to train with a partner, and all I want is someone who can do my little stupid. Yeah, man, this machine's kicking ass. Fuck yeah. me, man. That movie last night was badass. You know that kind of bullshit, and I need someone to do that. So I started taking it, but you know what? I have to find someone who actually films me every day and leave. <laughs> no, I'll be honest, Matt. It was the best fucking time when I left that thing at home, bro. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, you know, and then it just creeps in, and now I'm going. Yeah, baby, look at me on this machine. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, the, the videos that you share, though, I mean, not only are they hilarious and entertaining, but I see in the comments people see what you put out, and it inspires them to go out for a walk, to get on their bike, no, to I rejoin the gym. I, I look at my, sometimes I, I, after like doing like fucking 400 days in a row of the same shit, I say, I say to people, you know what? I'm sorry, because I'm pissing my fucking self off doing this. Yeah. I really am. It's like, oh, this fucking prick every day. But you know what? I know if there were six people out of 200 who was inspired to do it, it's worth it. So fuck you 200. You yeah, know? exactly. <laughs> well, I have to tell you, it inspires me. There are days where I, I'll, I'll see shit on your feet. I'm like, my man. Yeah. That's right. He's doing it. He's doing it again. And that's what I'm saying. It's like when I get this chest infection. I got this chest infection. Listen, I've had two years sat doing fucking nothing, right? This is incredible, Matt. Nothing, nothing, doing nothing at all. In the house, all I do is go around the fucking store for Julie. That's all I do, right? <laughs> so anyway, next thing they say, there's a gig you're playing. I haven't been sick in two years, bro. The Thursday we rehearsed, I woke up sick as fuck. I, I looked at God and said, you joking? What are you doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm like, what? To God's, what's happened? So well, anyway, you know, I went, go on. I was going to say, with you, though, you know, I've seen you on tour sick, you know, and when yeah, singers yeah, yeah. are on tour, I don't know a singer who hasn't done a tour and gotten sick for a huge uh. chunk of it. But even when you're sick, dude, like your voice, and this is something I know you're the envy of so many singers because you just have that thing that is, I don't know whether it's just like in your, your DNA or your body, what it is, but you're just indestructible. And that voice of yours, like, I'll see you smoking all night after the show, you yeah. know. See that don't help. No, vo no voice rest for you. No fucking no. And warm ups. Loud clubs and DJing. <laughs> you know, I don't know, man. I just got one of them. You know, like how some people are just. Listen, I got friends who smoke crack all day long, right? All day long from morning to night. They rub your mother's teeth out of her mouth, and when they take their top off, they cut the fuck. Yeah. Like this, and they ain't even trying. Nigga, be like this. <laughs> <laughs> and they ain't even trying. They take their top off, and me in the gym all day long. Them boys just got it, and I think. No disrespect or anything. I think in there, this is a real strong crackhead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> the resolution just knows no bounds, man. It's so amazing. It's like, said, it's like, listen, I woke on Thursday. Obviously, I went to Rio, so like, and I said to myself, like I'm saying to you now, right? I said, "Well, my, my it's not wasn't my throat was in, but my chest was tight, like like a knot's in it, you know." So anyway, we got to the club, and it was it was the rescue rooms in Nottingham. There was no one in there, just the guy who let open the door and let us in and let us out, right? I got on stage, the band's there, a couple of the guys from the crew, and we were going to do the whole set all the way through. And I think, you know what? I haven't done this for since I did the pilot, which is like a month ago. There's only two ways to play this. Give it all you got, even though you're sick, or, or, or pussy out on it, you know? And, you know, I got on that stage, and I just played, and I performed my ass off for that guy who was there, the one guy who opened the door. He might even be to the band, but I wanted to leave an impact with him. And I couldn't help it. It's like I felt possessed to actually perform the fucking shit out of the microphone and give it all I got, even though it's just me and a guy. I could have sat on the floor like that and went, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but then I thought to myself, this could be your last chance, baby. Mm. 
you know, you got to give it what you got. And that was it. So anyway, finished the thing, went downstairs. The guy said to me, dude, awesome. And I was like, thank you. The only person in the audience said awesome. Like, yes. <laughs> one man, one audience. I still got him. That was cool. So anyway, I went back, I went back to the hotel, sick as fuck, sick. And I'm thinking, what have I done to, what have I done to, why are you forsaking me now? Like, are you, two years of being healthy as fuck and I get a show and you want to, and, and this is what happens. I woke, woke up in the morning, but the bus was coming. Got myself uh, some um, honey and lemon and some other bullshit, some Jamaican crazy stuff. Drunk that down. And you know what? Showtime come. I hit it. Couldn't believe it, bro. Of course you did. So you did. I, I was like, this is, this is weird. I felt like Babe Ruth, you know? Out the park. <laughs> <laughs> well, mind over matter and that old school Jamaican medicine, man. That's I know, it. bro. Le honey and lemon, bro. And then one thing I heard about Bailey's, you cook? Oh, yeah, I cook all the time. Well, listen, let me tell you something. Forget putting bay leaves in food. Drink it, bro. Drink. Yeah. Forget putting... Because, I mean, look at it. Taste. When you drink bay leaves, there's something special in there, bro. I mean, I put it in rice. I put it in my rice. I put it in, I put it in loads of different curries and stuff. But the other day, someone said to me that the kidney stones and all the, all the, all the stuff that runs out, drink, drink, put, boil it up. Like, just put it in a pot and just boil bay leaves. I've been doing that for the last week. For the last two weeks, and I feel really good doing it. I think I think it's strong. I have to do that I, every morning. I wake up, I do uh, ginger, cinnamon, honey. So I'll have to, I'll start throwing bay leaves in. I'll report oh, back. Matt, check this. So this morning, right? I said to myself, "Okay, I'm gonna clean up the um the cupboard where I keep all the spices." So I go in the cupboard. The spices are up there now. I open the thing, and what do you think fell out? The fucking saffron. It cost three pounds for saffron, bro. Oh, and yeah. the old spice that fell on the floor, all over the floor, was saffron. <laughs> I was like, you know what? This is my. This is what the day's gonna be like. The yeah. test, dude. The tests are coming in left, right, and center. I know, for you, aren't they? Saffron. It wasn't even time or fucking Oregon here. That's saffron. It cost the most. Yeah, but I'm winning. I'm winning. Yeah, that's man. that's up. That's what's up when you have a spice cabinet. That's like that. My spice cabinet is exactly the same way. It's I mean, just you know bursting what? with shit. My whole house is bursting with shit. I remember when I was an orphan. I looked at my fucking dead dad, and when I got nothing. Now I'm like fucking fast forward like 40 years. I'm like, I got so fucking much. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know, it's ridiculous. Yeah, man. Well, that's the key to, I think, the key to any good recipe is the spice. It doesn't matter if what you're eating, whether it's vegetables, vegan, steak. It, it doesn't matter. It's all about the spices. Yeah, all right. about the spices. Yeah. If you know well, how to spice something, then you, you're golden. You're good. What's your dish? Like my dish, I got a few dishes which I would lay down if you two come to the house. What's your dish, bro? My dish. Oh, you, uh, you look at Matt and you look at Benji and go, I know them fuckers are going to love what I cook. Boom. What's it going to be? All right. I got you. This is a new one for me because uh, I, I'm off meat for the most part, except for fish. I love fish. But in my house, the 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 dish that we would make for company, mm -hmm. you get lion's mane mushrooms, the big old lion's mane mushrooms, right? You soak it in soy sauce, liquid smoke, a little bit of brown sugar, some black pepper and some spices. And then we press them with two cast iron pans sear I them down. i know the hard ones yeah yep sear them down real real nice put them on the grill to finish them off we do steamed uh, greens whether that's broccoli or asparagus with a lot of raw garlic mixed in there yeah, yeah, yeah. and then a mashed potato with some you know coconut milk mixed into it with some vegan butter and let me tell you those lions man if you do it right it's the Oh man, it's the it's and they're so look it up, lion's mane. They're so good. Lion for you. Yeah, all right. So good for you, but the texture when you're done, 
it is the closest thing you'll get to a filet mignon. Like it's just it when even when you cut into it, the texture, and then yeah. if you get it to char on the outside, the insides get that smoky soy sauce. Man, it's out of sight. That, that's the dish. Gonna have to because there's no use me trying that because it's gonna taste like shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, listen, me and Julie go to a restaurant and we have, they serve us some shit and I'm like, babe, we should try this. She's like, yeah, let's try it. So we go home, get the ingredients. A couple of weeks later, it always comes out like this. Wah, yeah. During, during the pandemic, I mean, that's all of, we did. I got some. I got some that I, I'd hold against anybody, right? But. When I always try to find, like, if I tried to do that shit where you didn't, I need to come to your house, eat that food first. That's the vibe. Yeah, yeah man. Exactly. That was most of the pandemic was just just messing with recipes and coming up with, because that's all we could do. That's all we could do. So I'd just be you cooking. Know, I, I, listen, I, I follow the rules. I follow the rules. I, I, I'll be honest with you. I follow the rules. I mean, like, I, I had fucking nothing to do, and I didn't have no answers either. So why the fuck am I going to try to fight the rules? Because I ain't got no answers. Yeah, you know? agreed. Mm -hmm. How many grandkids you got now, Benji? I've got 14, they tell me, 14. 14. And I don't like fucking any wow. of them. <laughs> that's amazing. Like, like a true Jamaican West Indian. I know, that's <laughs> it. I, I listen, bro, I said to my daughters, if I put some Velcros on your knees, when you hear the sound, stop. <laughs> I don't need no more, bro. But you know, I mean, the little grandchildren, they're little grandchildren. But I like the big ones now. The big ones are fun. You know, they're, they're, they're troublesome. They, they'll be coming into themselves. And, you know, they see me doing my shit and they're like, take me to a show and I said I haven't took it yet but I will you know so I'm yet to take any of my grandchildren to a show yet so it should be fun oh wow that'd be I mean you know it's one thing I love about you is the time that I've spent with your you know extended family close family um, even the friends that you have in your neighborhood like you know people are drawn to you and, and you, you you know you're the host uh, and there's kind of like what you put out on stage that light and that radiance that yeah, yeah. Th it, that exudes just off you in the street day to day right. And Good. I remember when I had to fucking work at that all the time. Now we're at Stude's. Brilliant. <laughs> You're always shining, my friend. Yeah, always that's shining. Good, that's good. How important was music for you, man? In you know the sense of like, because you know I know you had a, a tough upbringing, and you know there was definitely a time when things could have probably gone another way. Um, not quite so happy an ending. And, and yeah. music, it seemed like, was the thing that got you out of a a bad situation was it purely and simply music or do you think a lot of it was that kind of you know self-drive that you also have as well i don't know i think the self-drive came from music really right listening to the pistols and listening to the clash and listening to all them bands i actually listened to some of the words like you know do better strive for better you know they're trying to do this to you i actually believed them and i think that helped me a lot growing up you know and that's what made me want to do to say something to the people i mean first of all i just i didn't give a fuck if i got it if I got a number one singing back to life by fucking soul to soul, that would have been cool for me, but <laughs> times change. And, um, I'm, I'm back to life is a great song, by the way, yeah, life, it is. life, life changes. And there's things you want to do within music, you know, and that I think when it got to the stage where playing, being a black guy in a predominantly white club and seeing all these people fucking digging what you're saying and digging what you're doing, that really was excitement for me. That made me want to do it more and more like, you know, cause it's like, I just want people to to see that we're all the motherfucking same. We're all the same, bro. You know? I got that from Bob Marley, um, learning that he was half white. It inspired me a lot because he was someone I looked up to so much as a young kid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And something as simple as him saying, don't worry about a thing. Every little thing I is going to be right. 
and I just know. tears in my eyes as a teenager. I believe, I believe Bob. See, I believe it when Bob says it. It's funny, you know. Some things about like some of the I got one of my favorite albums is Survival. By yes. Bob That's an album that Dan Dan wants to call the next Skindred album Survival, you know. Love it. You know? <laughs> That's what he wants to call it. But Survival for me is an album I put on from beginning to end. And every song is empowering. Every song is enriching. Every song you get something from. And if you don't get something, it makes you think about somebody you once loved. And I think that that, that Survival album is strong, man. Well, that energy he put out when you see it, you know, it's one thing to hear it, but when you see footage of him, He's one of those few people, you know, very few people have that energy where it, it's just, I feel like a line straight from God to him. Like he was just yeah, yeah, yeah. sent here to put that message out like you that. The best thing I heard, about, I heard about Bob, Bob Marley, is he was not a fucking really nice guy. Yeah. I like that because that makes him real. Because you can say the things you're saying on stage would be not, but not mean it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And because the, how many people come to me and they say to me, oh, this lyric means that? I'm like, where the fuck are you talking from? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm telling you, bro. I ain't been nicking in ages. I ain't been nicking in ages. <laughs> incredible. That, but what I'm trying to say is that as much as Bob did, he was human like me and you. Yeah, yeah. And not everybody liked him. I need to complain about the rider. <laughs> you understand? That's, no, I love it. But yeah, that's some of my favorite like, stuff. When, when someone said to me the other day, and I believe the guy who said, because he'd been playing session, with reggae music for fucking since since the 60s and he's still doing it yeah. and he said bob was not a nice guy you know bob was a realist and he would tell your blood clot if he want and i love that because it made me go yeah because he's not always like i bless you he's not the fucking pope is he right you know i'm saying he's taking a shit and smoking weed <laughs> that's and that's what i like we got to keep the realism in them because that's what that's what people, because I ain't a shining light. I'm just a guy just like anybody else. And I want people to know that. It's like I, I did something at the school the other day and they said that I am a, um, I forgot the word again. I did this the other week. What's the word when you, uh, when people look up to you? A hero? No. Uh, role model? Role model? Role model. That role model. That's yeah. the word. I could, at the other day, it did the same word to me. I said to people, I'm not a role model, you know. Don't look at me. I fuck up like everybody. You know? that's the way my life is, you know what I mean? And that's why I want people to know that as much as we enjoy doing what we're doing, we're still going to have an argument in Asda with a fucking woman who's giving us shit. You know, yeah. still going to be that guy, you know? Well, you should you should be responsible for your actions. No, honey. <laughs> no, I'm just like you, fuck up, you know? And that's the beauty of it. And when they said that about Bob and the stuff, that the, the realism in it, it, it makes me feel better about it. I'm not, I'm not talking about being a real asshole all the time, but not taking no shit. Yeah. Well, being real is good because people can relate to that shit. You know, nobody wants to be around someone who's like the Pope, you know, unless you want to be like a, a religious or a cult icon. That's the vibe. You, I, but yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now, I feel that, man. I love that. That's the stuff I can relate to. I love seeing I, interviews with him where he's like, people ask him questions. He's he like, gets all pissy. I tell you, he gets all pissy, don't he? he, he yeah. gets all, I love that shit. And John Lennon was the same too. Yeah. John Lennon would get all pissy and walk out on you. Johnny Rotten's even the fucking worst. Yeah. <laughs> Matt knows. Johnny Rotten, Johnny Rotten, like, I mean, the first time I met Johnny Rotten, I said, can I have a picture? He went, no. Yeah. I said, okay. Yeah, I got the same from Keith Morris. We were playing a festival and um, uh, Flag was there, Black Flag, whichever one it was, I don't remember. Yeah. I went right up to him and he, he, this is his reaction to me. I was like, you know, Black Flag, blah, blah. He's like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was it. I was like, listen, I went up to Billy. I was, um, 
I, I listen, I, I, I'm not a massive fucking ACD, uh, what do you call him, fucking ZZ Top fan, right? But yeah. someone said to me, there's, there's Billy Gibbons. I said, that's cool. I'm going to get a picture of Billy. That's cool. I know Billy's an icon. Let's go check Billy. So I'm, a, I'm at um, breakfast now. So Billy's there with me. So he walks up to get some, some more shit or whatever at the, um, the canteen. So Billy walks up. I think this is my time. The security's at the table. I'm walking up with Billy. So Billy walked up. And I said to Billy, hey, Billy, would it be cool if I took a photograph with you? He said, yeah, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you just got to wait for me to put my uniform on. <laughs> love it. Because he can't be pictured out of his garbs. Yeah, I love it. Put the glasses on. I was like, that's some G shit right there, bro. <laughs> yeah, sir. Yeah, wait for me to put my uniform on. <laughs> I was expecting to pull a jacket or something. The guy just draw it out of his pocket and put his glasses on, bro. But yeah, that's some cool shit. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. It's funny, man. Some people, when you meet them, might be, you know be having a, a bad day, and they're just not. I have in the them mood. all the time, bro. I, I say to people, if I'm if you meet me three times and I'm an asshole every time, I'm an asshole. Simple there you out. go. Yeah. Three rules and out, bro. Three rules and out. I mean, I'm sure there's people who say, yeah, he's a fucking asshole. But you know what? <laughs> I'll tell you another thing, man. It's the way you approach them as well. Yeah. It goes to do with that as well, man. If you start fucking start, if you're stood there going, oh my god, that guy had an album. I got you an album, like it's embarrassing. Get the fuck <laughs> yeah. away from me. Yeah, it, it goes much. both ways, doesn't it? It, it goes, goes both, both ways. ways. You come up there going, eh, eh, and I, I'm not in the mood. I'm buying fucking headache tablets. You know, and you're going, I got you an album. I got... <laughs> Approach me right, fucko. <laughs> and then I turn up the, I end up being the asshole. <laughs> What's that all about? Tell us about the Robert De Niro one. <laughs> okay, so Robert De Niro is in a lift <laughs> with a couple of fucking thugs, and um. One of them says, hey, Robert, can I have a photo? Robert looks and says, is any paparazzi when we get out of this, this lift? Any, any, I cannot. Until then, let's see. Let's go down to the third floor, gets out, paparazzi everywhere. Robert looks back and goes, what are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I wrote, I wrote classic, classic. Yeah, that's, that's some G shit yeah. right there. Oh, school. I tell him I met Jackie Mason once. Oh, you know the, the, the Jewish comedian? Oh yeah, yeah, Jackie Mason. I'm in the line now in in New York City. We just fucking played um, Conan O'Brien. We just played Conan O'Brien. I'm feeling this like... is do- this is Dub War, is it? Oh, this is Skindred, bro. Is this it really? is early. This is like two years into fucking when nobody was in the charts in the US and all that. When it was doing good at radio, so we did Conan O'Brien. So. I came out of there. It was, it was surreal. It was like a fucking dream. I come out of there and I'm stood in the line waiting for the cab to go to the club. Who's in the fucking line? Jackie Mason. He looks to me, he goes, you look like you want to fight. You want to fight? Goes, no, bro. And he goes, who are these guys with you? I said, oh, they're my ma- managers. He said, they're Jewish, right? They're Jewish, right? I said, yeah. He said, they're robbing you. They're robbing you. <laughs> and then his taxi company just got in and drove off. It was fucking brilliant, bro. And the guy looked at me and said, He's right. <laughs> You've met some amazing people in your times in America, like Michael Rappaport, Dick Ritchie from True Romance. Didn't, didn't you meet him on the street once? Met him in, um, I called him I called him Dick Ritchie as well. He said, it's Michael. It's Michael. <laughs> and he had his son. His son must have been about two years of age on fucking Melrose. Sunday morning. He was sat just by the way you get the coffee on, what do you call it, fucking Starbucks? Just in Starbucks. Yeah, Rappaport. How long were you living in America, Benji? How long were you away from? I in Florida. Five. Five years. People got less for murder. 
<laughs> I had a good time in Florida. I met some beautiful people down there. I really um, did. Was was that during your time when you were kind of going down the spiritual road, or was that after that? No, mate. I fucking I know. I was totally in my my evil element at that point. <laughs> that was that was in the evil element. When was, was when when was the spiritual side? Oh, when, when I was a kid. Before I mean, like, or I, after? I, so much fucking street robberies and all that shit that I felt I needed to repent. I felt if I if I died tomorrow, Jesus would look at me and go, "No way, bro. <laughs> no way." You know. So I was like. I just had to get right. I just felt at the time I had to get right. That was just before I signed with um, Eric. Right. You know, the first time with Dubbo. I just felt like I needed to get right. I was doing so much fucking, you know, feeling so bad about like some of the stuff I was doing to fucking people on the planet that I needed to get right, you know? I mean, when you're a kid, you do what a kid does, you know? Yeah. But going to Florida was fun. <laughs> Big old fun. Yeah. Having it's universal all- doorsteps is pretty cool. Well, it's all part of the journey, isn't it? I think. Yeah, you know? yeah. Of course. That's, that's why you can appreciate the good times and the bad, you see? Because you got to go through all the fucking, all the, and the mountains and, and the, you know, what do you call it? Snakes and ladders. Well, I think if nothing else, you know, I look back on, on this this time of, of, you know, the first time in my life I've really stayed still for an extended period of time. The one thing that I could take away from this um, is the simple things that have become profound to me. You know, the little things like taking a walk and sitting still by the yeah. river near my house and things that I just never really had the the headspace or wherewithal to do because I didn't have time for it. Well, that's right. It's like the stuff I, I've never been so creative in my life, in all honesty, bro. I mean, you know, the first album I wrote, I had all my life to write it. Every other one after that has been like people breathing on my neck. They got to do it in six months. So this next album, the next lyrics I write and the next album I release with Skindred and with Dub War, I've had fucking two years to write. It's the longest I've had to write. So I'm definitely saying something strong on this next few records I'm going to drop. I love it. I love you taking the time to do that, man. That's yeah, a bro. I mean, life has given me the time because like you said, I don't have time to do anything. Mm-hmm. I'm always rushing around, but... Because, I, you know, it's funny because I'd be on tour, I'd be in fucking, I don't know, Ukraine or somewhere on stage and i go, like... 16 shows into the summer and you got another 20 left festivals i'd go man i'd love to take the summer off one day <laughs> and like what happened be careful what you wish for right exactly oh. exactly yeah the man. Same, same exact thing happened to me i was in tears talking to my girlfriend before this uh at, at the end of this last run yeah we went out again and i was like man what i wouldn't give to just see the seasons change where i live because it's so beautiful yeah You've seen it, I'm you. <laughs> Three days into our, our <laughs> next tour, when we got sent home, a few days after that, she looked at me and she goes, you ready to watch the seasons change now? No, mate. I'm a, I know, I know, bro. It's a wonder my fucking girlfriend and, and, and ain't under the patio. I swear. Is she good? Fantastic. She broke a toe the other day, but she's doing okay. She's struggling through. Do you know what, man? I like I don't know many musicians that have written records in this time, and I don't judge anybody for not. I, I know that a lot of people have been lost for inspiration and and have struggled with what to write about. The fact that you've done two um, doesn't surprise me at all because you're always working on something, whether it's you know the fucking Tom Waits side project, the reggae solo stuff. Um, can you give us a little bit of a window into some of it? Well, I mean, I'm talking like me and the guys from Dub War. When I say Dub War, me and me and Richie and Jeff, Mikey Craig plays the live drums with us now, from Newport Boy as well. At the beginning of this thing, I mean, I, I was working with uh, the Skindred guys doing an album, but I said, you know what? I'll see what the guys from uh, Dub War are doing. 
So instead of just getting like Mikey to do all the songs, we sent some tracks out to some people like Mike Borden, you know, um, uh, Jamie from Snart, uh, Dave from El Nino, um, Tanner Wayne from, yeah, Roy from fucking uh, Stone Sour. So many guys we sent music to. Um, Mike Borden from Faith No More. We sent just, I mean, click tracks and the guitar and the vocals. And they sent back these monster tracks, bro. It's incredible. So I'm really excited about that because it's like the double thing's different from I've done what I've done in, in a long time, you know? Because it's an album full of guest drummers. Yeah, full of guest drummers. I mean, I thought, who's going to be at home doing fuck all now? The drummers are going to be the ones at home, most of them anyway, you know? Yeah. The ones who are not programming and producing and whatnot, you know? But I, I reached out to them guys and they said, yeah, and the songs are sounding so good. I'm excited to hear what, to hear what people feel about them. That's awesome. I love Dub War. I can't wait to hear that. Yeah, I love man, it. it's good stuff, bro. I'm excited. I got Mikey, like I said, I got Mikey Dolan on one track and the guy from and Jamie from Snot on one track. You know, so it and it's all very much the time, the time we just in the, the last two years we just in lyrically is all over there. You know, mm. yeah, man. When are we going to hook you two up? Well, what do you want to see on a new double um, skin dread record, bro? Don't threaten me with a good oh, time. No, I, I listen. I'll talk to my boys and we'll chuck a track your way, and we'll see what you got. I uh, yeah. Let's see how easy it is, man. How funny is that? <laughs> yeah, it's got to happen, man. I'll, I'll talk to happen. Dan. I'll talk to Dan to, today and say what track because we've written like forty-five songs, right? Wow, it's pretty fucking cool, right? And That's they're right. all as strong as each other. I must say. <laughs> I'm excited, bro. They're all as strong as each other. It's not like, oh, maybe this part could do with it. No. Verse, chorus, middle eight, slamming. Bip, bip. It's all up there, bro. It's all up there. And it's like 40 of them. So I'm going to say to Dan, send me a track that you think that me and my homie can meet together on and bless that. All right. What's up? <laughs> That's the vibe, bro. Serious. I'm excited. Hell yeah. Benji, big love to you, man. It's been, um, you know, an amazing 10 years getting to know you. And yeah, the, two, the two of you are probably my dearest friends in, you know, this crazy business of music that we're in. And I think there's no coincidence that both of you, you know, live and breathe the the art. Uh, it's, yeah, more than, it's more than just a job, isn't it? And I think that's one thing all three of us kind of connect over is we don't just get paid to do what we, we love. We actually live this life, you know, yeah, 24-7. And... Well, I'm excited. I got, listen, I don't even... I got a DJ set on Saturday, right, in Connick, and I'm as excited about playing Connick as I was playing Brixton Academy. I don't know. There could be fucking eight people in there, but I'm going to give it all I got and have a good fucking time, you know? That's it, man. It's all about spreading that love and that vibration and watching the effect that it has in real time. I just did a DJ gig uh, last week. It was a punk reggae gig, and wasn't a lot of people there, but the people kept coming up and being no, like... It's, it's not about the amount of people. It's about the size of the dog. It's about the size of the fight in the dark. Yeah. Love it. <laughs> Bless up. Perfect way to end it. Look at it. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a first for Stoke the Fire. He's stoking the fire right I now. I am right in the area. Yeah, yeah, that was good, guys. Thank you very much for inviting me along, man. Oh, man, a pleasure. It, it definitely boosted my spirits. I don't to... know, because you know what I'm like. I'm random as fuck, so I most probably took it on a 50 million different journeys, you know? Mate, it was perfect, as I knew yeah, it would be. And, you know, what I've loved about doing these is, like, me and Jesse haven't seen each other in person since pre-pandemic. And every time we finish a chat with someone, I just think in my head, like, oh, I can't wait for the day one day when, whether it's a festival or whatever it is, when the three of us get to share, you know, you know real space other, together. You know what hurt me the other day? Seeing pictures of you at Bloods and knowing that I wasn't there. I was like, this fucking guy chose Priest Day 
No, it's not that I chose it, dude. It's because I'm DJing Fridays and Saturdays now. Mm. Um, Where to? Uh, in London, man. I- I've been doing that for about five weeks now, and it's just been great getting back out and earning money. But yeah, it was it wasn't the choice of priest over okay, okay. my brother. It was because it. Sunday is the only day I can do because I DJ Fridays and Saturdays. I, I never I disrespect you like that. I would have wanted to. <laughs> I would have wanted to do a priest day, Rob Alford, man. You see a lot of these rock people like Rob Alford. Um, you know, fucking, uh, what's the name of the band? I can fit Seaman, uh, Ice Earth. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I never knew what them bands, I never knew about them. Them vocalists are like fucking supermen and women, bro. Yep. It's crazy. Alfred and Ice Earth, I don't know, but the last the last singer who sang for Ice Earth, I seen him in um, Germany. We had a day off in um, the in the, um, the Market Hall. I know you know that place, right? We had a okay. day off at the Market Hall in, in um, Hamburg and we went to watch them. Bro, I stood at the back and thought, I'll just go and I've got nothing else to do. That vocalist was killing it. Yeah, I don't know how those dudes do that shit, man. That that high end, like high end, bro. High end. All right, gentlemen, have a wonderful evening. Have a wonderful day, Jess. Bless up. I'm gonna send you the tune as soon as I talk to Dan. Actually, I'm gonna pick up my phone and call him now. <laughs> <laughs> I love you guys. Yeah, man. <laughs> Big up, Benji. Nice one, dude. Peace. <laughs> there wow. you go. Looks like you're making a track with Skindred. on a budget we still deserve nice things quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80 percent less than similar brands they have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at 50 dollars, luxurious italian leather bags and so much more plus quince only works with factories that use safe ethical and responsible manufacturing get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with quince go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365 day returns